Aloha and welcome to the Woman on Fire podcast. I'm Daniela and I'm here with Jamie and it has been a long time since we've done this. Uh, yes, uh-huh. the end of the year of 2021 has come and gone. <laughs> sure has. We're recording on January 6th and I'm so excited to be doing this. It feels like returning to an old ritual. It's just yes. very comforting. <laughs> so true. So true. So much to share and so many adventures since the since our last chat. Really, it has been. Uh, so we'll do our best to reflect and recap our major adventures of 2021. That's what this episode will be. Will be recaps and reflections. So I guess we can start from January of last year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, let's, let's start from a year ago and how, how bringing in the new year. I mean, I have my calendar that has like the births per month and everybody's birthday and everything. And it's interesting to look back because I had a really rough start to my new year Mm -hmm. I had a crazy ending to 2020 with like three women giving birth on the same day and a couple of them within hours of each other and you came to the rescue um, Mm -hmm. for one woman who birthed in what 30 minutes or something (laughs) while I was at a birth for four days <laughs> I remember getting a call from your assistant saying like hey there's this birth it might be happening fast it's close to your house are you down I'm like yeah I'm down just let me know where to go but then she calls me like five minutes later like the baby's born We're like oh <laughs> like it might be fast oh yep it was fast um, yep that was the 29th of 20 December 29th of 2020 Mm-hmm. And I sent you guys there because I was actually at a birth already, but then I had another mom a couple miles away who also went into labor and that's never happened. It's one of those questions that, that you get asked a lot of what if two women are in labor at the same time? And it's, well, it's really rare. I can honestly, mm-hmm. like, it's really only happened in the past 11 years or so less than a handful of times where Mm -hmm. I've had to be somewhere else or figure out being in two places at the same time and then I had three at the same time right so I had to leave the the one and go to the close by one because it was going fast while I sent you guys to the other one (laughs) to the super fast (laughs) to the super fast and then went back to the original one and was there until New Year's Day And that woman, I have to say, was so incredibly strong. Mm. And I, and the hospital, we ended up transferring because it was many days. And the hospital was so incredibly kind to her and really like overextended themselves. I was completely and utterly amazed at the, the freedom they gave us to, to do the work and um yeah but after much many days and many many maneuvers and 
tears and joy and all the things right getting um, all your tricks <laughs> everything yeah. everything um she's still ended up having a c-section and then my second birth also was a c-section it was one of the very same thing really rare occurrence that a VBAC um ended up in a repeat c-section and I thought what is going on this year yeah. <laughs> I thought 2021 was going and it wasn't that it was bad it was fine and wonderful and in this it seemed necessary you know I mean yeah there's that and and it's okay that you know there's a heaviness that kind of comes with that it just does for all when it's the unexpected oh you know we really thought this we wanted to do this at home and we respect and we're grateful when we have the other resources to tap into when we need to but you know it's still a little oh, a little hard yeah and yeah and but then the rest of the births for the rest of the year I don't, I'm looking real quick now, but no more C-sections after that. Okay. And out of 40, no, one more, one more in August mm. um, for a breach baby who, mm -hmm. um, and so, and that was it out of over 40 births, amazing. which is pretty amazing. Yeah, I guess pretty I want amazing. to go back to the the whole births overlapping thing for people <laughs> our audience folks are actually pregnant individuals themselves and looking for midwives or you know have that question in your mind like that really is uncommon um and if anything right it tends to be like maybe someone two labors might be happening at the same time but there's usually a slower one and usually a faster one it's not usually the baby's trying to come out at the exact same time uh, within an hour of each yeah. other <laughs> and, and there's just no way around that really because you know people are like oh well do you have other people around my due date and like even if you don't like the person someone might birth at 41 weeks and someone else at 38 weeks and then they overlap even though they were like three four weeks apart you know so that was exactly this case oh. I, one woman <laughs> one woman was the woman that went that you attended was that was basically her due date mm. the woman who I had to leave the one birth for to go to the other was 10 days early Mm. and then the woman who I went back to and supported for several more days um she was 42 and two. Oh, see well, <laughs> find no peace in knowing that there's no but there was something <laughs> about that full moon on December 29th that Ooh. all the babies because we there were other midwives that I contacted that were not able to help because they were at births too mm -hmm. which is what made me need to leave the one to go to the other right because no one else was really available yeah. um luckily you guys were available to go to the one and I was able to leave an assistant with the one mom and go and I did have an assistant at the other mom but that was mm -hmm. um really so very interesting yeah. um, and it's true right like there you couldn't have there's no way I've also had people three people do on the same day and none of them deliver that week at all yeah I so. remember <laughs> that was recently right before you left yeah yeah yep so exactly 
Yeah, there's no way around that one. It just is what it is. But they tend not to come. But sometimes it happens. And, you know, yeah. you made uh, excellent use of your resources and a community. <laughs> well, I, that's the benefit of having a tight-knit community. You know, like mm -hmm. one of the really beautiful things that I love harping on about Hawaii is that at least on Oahu, um, for the women who are attending births as midwives out of the hospital, we are very, very collaborative and very, um, we really love each other. It's, there's not a lot of territorial stuff. It's like, we know we can call on each other. We know, um, we know each other too. It's like, yeah. you don't just, you're like, Ooh, who might be the best fit or who might, and you can really think about that yeah. and honor the gifts and the talents of the, of the different spectrum of midwives that we have here yeah it's really so beautiful right it's like that woman I didn't know her but I knew your assistant and even though I hadn't been with your assistant at a birth in a while it was easy to just get into the groove of it like of course yeah we're a team and and we know Jamie's style and we know what she offers and and we know we know how to support this woman right now it, and it was there it was just nothing to it it was just we organically flowed um I mean we were there for the placenta birth right which kind of took a while not a long while not an unusual while but just a while um so you know there was still some time to have to do things <laughs> um right. and yeah and that's just because there's only so many of us here and thankfully most of us really do um try to show up and be involved with each other and uh we do have that community Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's really well, true. I'm, I'm not at home and I'm trying to text my partner to see if he can text me my list of births because, you know, we made this topic plan last night, but uh, I don't know. I don't have it right now, but um, well, we have together had some really amazing deliveries. We had well, that's some, the thing. I went to most of my births were your births. <laughs> yeah, we had we had some primips that had phenomenal, like mind blowing births, and oh um, I got to attend a few births that were planning free birth, but then maybe at the you know last bit, really just wanting a a wise woman. So I had several births that I was it was just me and um that was really lovely big families and um I got to help one family have their seventh baby and I had been there since number two they were my first breech yeah. birth and so that was really remarkable and wonderful and we had a I had a couple breaches um, that went without a hitch other than the one mom that decided in labor to transfer that was her choice um, and yeah I'm just kind of looking back and and this was a big year of like deciding not to you know who being a little more selective um, on the kind of births I wanted to attend as well um, we took on some of our lovely mentor um auntie medra's births which was really beautiful one woman we met her in labor <laughs> yeah. um and oh that was gosh. have we that met was a Medra? school but school bus birth oh. so we have 
Yeah. We have in the past, I think, mentioned Medra, but we haven't given the update that yeah. she has um, made her transition. Yeah, she sure has. She crossed over. Um, the, gosh, I don't know if I know how old she was. 83, 85. She's in her mid-80s. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah, she crossed over and she could she kept saying at the end there, she's like, I just want to be naked and adorned in flowers. And so it was. And that's how she was as we all praised her and came together to celebrate her life and all her magic. Um, and in and all the people she brought together and right. So she invited us to to serve the woman that were pregnant at the end of her life that she was just, you know, she wasn't in any state to be going out to births anymore. And I know that was hard to, for her to have to recognize, but it's just the reality. And um, that was such an honor. Yeah. To support women that she had supported before and to have her trust be like, yes, you're the woman that I want to serve my woman. Cause you know, her thing was, you know, it's like return the power to the woman. It's not about us. It's not about us. It's always them, them, them. And so take anything away from them, right? Don't make it about you. Um, don't be on a power trip or, you know, don't be overbearing. Don't be the boss. They're the boss <laughs> and respect that. And, um, and that's what's important to me too. And so, yeah, I never attended births with Medra, but um, just got to hear her wisdom at her bedside all those months of visiting her. Um, but yeah, so we had a couple of her births, the school bus birth. Yep, the school oh, bus birth. <laughs> and it was a short bus, so it's not like the spacious big. big bus, but somehow it felt just right. It was just the, the space we needed. That's, yep, and completely, off, That's completely off grid and you know up tucked against the koala mountains and um really very beautiful dad very involved and it was really nice and it was also really beautiful to spend the summer um hearing stories from medra and bringing the stories back because she would be like oh i didn't sleep well last night you know i'm like well because you were with us up the <laughs> Yeah. I know, I know I was there. <laughs> yeah, um, I was listening to some of the recordings that I had and it's, we'll have to go through and edit them, but we did record some things to share. Right. Um, but they are very, very candid mm. and very, very honest. And there is some editing that I think we'll have to do before we share them. Mm -hmm. because um just for the you know autonomy or the privacy of others yeah. but um it was fascinating to hear her stories um for her to just really she said I have nothing to hide anymore I'm she's like my whole life I've been sneaking around and helping and supporting these women when I wasn't allowed and you know went into it with no fear just trust and but I also had to be very, very private. And now I have nothing to hide and everything to share. And it was mm -hmm. really beautiful to listen to her stories and yeah, deep stories, not just about birth, but of life and her life and 
what she's witnessed in other women and really fascinating. Yeah. So it, that, that was a big part of 2021 was getting close to Medra. Cause I remember the first time I met her, I knew about her and I saw her at the Capitol for one of the hearings with all this bill stuff for midwifery. And I opened the door for her and I was just so giddy. I was like starstruck. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's her. And I was like so honored to open the door for Medra, you know, and I got like a little eye contact and thank you. And that was like the first time I met her. And then from then on, I kind of like just seen her at a few of our midwives gatherings or case reviews or again at the Capitol, you know, just briefly here and there, but I hadn't really gotten the opportunity to sit and talk with her much. Oh, although we'd had a, a Yoni scene gathering as midwives and she showed up to that one. So, you know, I kind of knew her a little bit, but those last few months of her just being at home and mostly in bed was the closest I got to be with her and the longest I got to talk to her. And um, so it's like, yeah, it's like I became very close with her and then and then she was off, off to her next adventure. Yeah, yeah. And she said, I've, I've, I came back with a strict contract to just, I wasn't going to be afraid. I wasn't going to come back if I had to be afraid. Yeah. And that was her. That was some of the fun conversations that we did have with her. It wasn't just about birth. It was also about death. But it was also about being born and reborn and finding and discovering yourself over and over again. But that, you know, she always knew she was a little different and that she always knew that she had like a place in nature and, um, and that not everyone was going to understand and that it just really didn't matter. And she really was very protected from the spiritual realm. You know, she, she really was, and she understood that you can do all of your everything and your best and the mothers can do their absolute best and everyone can you know really show up in in their like full capacity and we still have zero control because that's life <laughs> and death mm -hmm. and she didn't experience a lot of death in her many 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 you know several decades yeah of birth but when she did she also respected it and you know it's not that she was never overjoyed one of the stories I was listening to was was her having that Buddha with the babies inside yeah. and I I'll just give that little like tickle of a story teaser because it, <laughs> it, it's coming and it's yeah. um, and it's <clears throat> but she really was and and she was well loved by the women that she served because she came pure she didn't come with an agenda other than no to agenda, just, no fear. just love the woman just love the woman purely I mean yeah without sharing her stories but the story she had to share of her birth adventures or it, yeah you could boil boil them down to that I mean the things that she showed up for I mean most people would it <laughs> uh-huh and she was divinely protected mm -hmm. indeed so we honor her because now she is, she's circling us all and, and still sprinkling that love 
on us. And it's, um, yeah, so she left us um, on November 6th or November 7th. It was the day that I left the country for two months. <laughs> yeah, I think it was like the next day or, or that night. Yeah, that right night. Yeah, it was right. I think she passed in flight while I was in flight. Yeah, it's like midnight or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and that was a big transition this year because Miss Daniela has had had some people reach out to have her be their primary. And yeah. that's a big transition. Yeah, I'll share some of that. And I hope it can be insightful for individuals navigating that shift from like primary under supervision or whatever you may call it to, to whatever is beyond that. Um, so January for me was uh, my first month back from being in El Paso. So we did an episode kind of reviewing some of my time there. Um, and I love one of the first births I did when I came back was um, a Puerto Rican woman. And that was really special to serve, you know, just a Spanish speaking woman here because ah, I hope to do more of that actually in 2022 and beyond. Um, it's important to me, um, but that was amazing. I love that adventure. Um, she's such a changed woman from that. I oh, mean, I love her. She's she so was scary. Maybe not, maybe not even changed, but like enhanced. Enhanced, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, she was already, she was already like, like on one. It. Yeah, she already yeah. wonderfully spicy, but just like mm -hmm. it's invigorated her her fire, indeed. Oh, so gorgeous. <laughs> and, it, and it invigorated mine. You know, that's the thing. It's uh, I grow along these women so much. So the, the growth this year was. Um, so let's see, when I got back from an El Paso, I had finished my required numbers for um, NARM. Um, and I'll speak to that whole journey, too, a bit. But I mean, I've got more than the required, but I mean, they require like 55 births and I've done well over double that. Um, so it's not just the bare minimum, but so I had finished those births, but still I didn't feel ready to dive into like, I'm going to certify and open my practice and oh, like, I wasn't just, I don't know. I just wasn't wanting to do that at the moment. So I just kind of kept assisting and I had like, and acknowledging the fact that the burst that you did with me didn't technically count. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I wasn't, I wasn't a preceptor. Oh, but you were in all the right ways that can't, that actually matter in helping someone become a midwife, but not for logistical norm stuff. It's true. Yeah. Right. But I, and I think it sort of acknowledge putting some, some, a little bit onto that though is thinking that just getting those numbers that that matters but it, it's not that it doesn't matter but 50 births is only 50 births <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and so how you there's just constant learning you know constant <laughs> absolutely yeah so, so anyhow, I was so at going a back place to where out, yeah I felt like yeah I just I don't know I'm just going to keep integrating and um, it was a year of a lot of soul searching because, oh, for many reasons. Well, one, 
it was funny. I spent all these years kind of like doing the NARM thing because I signed up for the National College of Midwifery before I knew anything about the nuances of different types of midwives and and the, the what anything about licensure and any ethical concerns I ha now have. Um, so I kind of just kept going with it even after I knew these things. Um, but then once I was done with the program, as in done, like I've done my numbers in classes, but I haven't finished filing in the paperwork to finish the program, I, I wasn't sure if I wanted to do that. So I spent most of the year trying to decide, do I want to become a CPM or do I not want to become a CPM? And, and really, I've gone back and forth with that for years. It's not an easy decision. And at the end of the day, what I came with, it's like, yeah, it's messy. It's not perfect. There's definitely um, problems with that national certification, um, such as it's the main basis uh, for licensure in many places. And um, so it, it ain't perfect, but recently my decision became to just do it. Um, and largely more so for my own purposes, to be honest, I want it's like a stepping stone. I'm just, I'm just curious. I'm like, can I pass this test? <laughs> like, I just want to see them like, what, how do they even test? Like, what is their language? What's, you know, I kind of know the angle of the CPM, of course. Um, but it's more of a personal thing. It's not because I'm going to be like, hey, check me. I'm Daniela, the CPM. Like, no, I'm not going to do that because I don't want to. And also it's actually illegal. I cannot be advertising midwifery services as a CPM in the state of Hawaii if I'm not licensed. So this is me letting you know that even when I do certify, I won't, that's not me advertising as such for my services, okay? Okay, <laughs> I'm just saying. Okay, so I actually got the email a couple of days ago that I can schedule my test date um anytime between now and June um so I'm just going to figure out logistically what might be the best time um so I decided to go for it I'm just um but I still stand where I stand on licensure as far as that's not me saying oh no I'm going to go for the license no it's just this one thing I've been working on and I have a history a pattern in my life of not finishing things and I and just running away from uncomfortable things, honestly. And like math, I had one math class that I had to do to finish the NCM program. And I didn't want to do it because I hate math. And I'm like, it's not going to make me a better midwife, okay? This ain't going to help birth be safer or better or more magical. It's not, it's, it's useless. It's me jumping through the freaking hoops to satisfy some arbitrary requirement that someone made up. And, and I, and that I almost wasn't going to finish NCN because of that one math class. But again, I'm like, oh, my patterns of not finishing things and running away. I'm like, just do it. Confront the uncomfortable thing just for the sake of working through that. And I did. And, and I was surprised how well I did in the math class. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> but I did it. I was like, I just want to finish it for the sake of just saying I, I did complete it. Um, because if I don't take the NARM, I don't get the degree from the school because you have to get your certificate to actually finish it. So, so finishing it. Um, but yeah, and in the meantime, 
someone found me I wasn't really actively putting it out there but someone found me asking me to be their primary and that was that first birth in September of course her care was prior to that I think beginning around April um and you know I really loved when she reached out because her main thing was like hey I'm looking for someone who respects autonomy like I've had problems with licensed midwives before and I don't want those kind of problems. I'm looking for someone who's aware of that and is going to be sensitive of that um, and respect my personal boundaries and not be hung up in some licensing agenda, you know? And I was grateful. I was like, see, this is why I do this. Okay. Because there are people out there that get this p- specific thing, you know, this particular niche. And that's the niche. Um, There's more and more of them all the time. Yeah. <laughs> more and more of them all the time I remember choosing not to finish my CPM and thinking well will I have a practice will people want to work with me and finding that in fact there are people who that is exactly what they're looking for is someone who is going to be their midwife not the state's midwife yeah exactly, <laughs> exactly. and and more and more, maybe it's the company that I keep or the circles that my name is shared in, but I have um, found that that is an underserved population that's growing. Mm-hmm. It is, and there's a growing, it, it seems to me like that population is growing too as midwifery becomes increasingly mainstreamed and more and more states are licensing and there's more and more situations of the midwife putting the license before the the woman and the woman getting pissed (laughs) so there seems to be more awareness growing around why licensure can be problematic um i don't know if i've shared this situation before i'll do it real quick it was a video circulating online of it was a doula recording the situation at a birth center the woman's in the birth pool having contractions sounding kind of almost grunty too and the midwife's trying to say during a contraction, why she needs to transport her and why this isn't safe. And, you know, I'm always careful not to judge other people's births and midwives on something. I wasn't there because it's so easy to be like, oh yeah, of course she was wrong. Like, I don't know the full context. I wasn't there, but just the perspective of what the doula and the woman ultimately were saying was just that this midwife wanted to transport them because it had been a long time. Every, all the other factors checked out fine, heartbeat fine, mother's vitals, all vitals good. It had just been a long time. And you can hear in the video, this midwife saying, well, I have to think about my future and the future of the birth center and my license would be on the line. And, and she made it very clear. She was blunt and honest, like, I want to transfer you because my license would be on the line otherwise. And um, and whatever, she ended up saying, you guys got to go. And so they, the woman and the doula step out of the birth center and outside the woman's like, I'm not going to the hospital. And the doula's like, good, let's go to my house. And then the next video they post is the baby being born at the doula's house, okay? So again, I don't know anything about this midwife in that context, and maybe it was called for, I don't know. But the angle I want to highlight here is just the fact, like, I want to be that woman that at the end of the day, when the system fails women because of bureaucratic things that risks them out, 
um, unjustly. Arbitrary alg yeah. algorithms that make no sense whatsoever. Yeah. It's parameters that are made up in false pretenses or. I'll be the woman on the other side. And back to Medra, this one thing that she said in the last times I saw her, she's like, man, woman came to me when they were done with the bullshit. <laughs> I was like, okay, see? Cause I'm not dealing with all that bullshit in the system. But once women are done with that, then that's when they come to me. Cause they, they, they see through it finally and they know that's not what they want. So I'll, I'll, I'll be on the other side <laughs> when they're ready for that. <laughs> Yeah, so exactly searching this year, and also as I put my birth bag together, like very thoroughly. Of course, I've had the basics for a while, but this time it's like, oh, okay. Well, am I gonna carry this? Why do I want to carry this? Just because I've seen it always carried, but do I really think I need it? Um, and like every little item I would buy was like this big rabbit hole of soul searching. I'm like, oh, it's gonna take forever to get things because. <laughs> And yeah, um, but I did, I took a lot of time figuring out where I stand with every little piece that's in my birth bag um, and what isn't in my birth bag. Um, but that was really great. And, um, and, then, and then eventually things grew into December, which was uh, a time where both you and my other main guide and wise teacher in this journey, went out of town out of the country at the exact same time <laughs> <laughs> and and you know what it was a blessing because it, it gave me that final push um I think that I needed and perhaps my teachers needed to see that like yeah she is ready she can handle <laughs> I think you know it's it's saying you know I can only imagine as a teacher seeing your pupil transform to like I mean when I went to Lori I, I had never attended a birth I knew nothing I I mean I've done like a doula training you know like okay um but she took me in so green from nothing and then to be able to to like fully lean into the trust of like oh shit okay maybe she does know her shit all right <laughs> you know like that's a big thing um, but I got there and, and December was the month of four of my own four of my own primary births. Um, and again, grateful for our community of having other women to tap into to invite to be my assist because I've been used to having you be my my main birth partner um, the past year, which has been a blessing. That's been another thing of the 2021. We attended more births together than ever before. It just kind of organically happened. Um, I shifted away from being with Lori because she has all these other new students. I'm like, okay, I've grown out of this phase. Like, I'm good. They need you now. And and we didn't even plan it, but it just worked out like that. So, yeah. Yeah, my, my primary assistant had uh, spread her wings in another direction too. And, I, and our friendship really grew from, you know, 2019, I think is when things really for you and I started shifting and mm -hmm. um, going to Los Angeles together, and then just spending more and more time together, like getting to know each other, because there is something really important about, about knowing your assistant. <laughs> yeah. um, and so as our friendship got deeper, so did our relationship in attending births because we, yeah, like that, the nonverbal communication, the, 
like really knowing how someone's going to show up for the people you're serving and really being able to trust that and, and honor that um, in both directions, you know, as, as sort of, and, and I also grew as a, as a, you know, I wasn't taking students. I was like, I don't want to, you know, like I need my people to know their stuff. I, I'm not really like, I don't feel like I can, and I don't know. I mean, I guess you were sure you're, we're, we're lifelong students. I mean, I have to acknowledge that. Like, cause like I said, I, I still learn every time, you know, and, yeah. and that was one of some of the wise words of my first birth, the first birth that I went to, which was with Lori. And she said, always pay attention. You will always learn something. And that was the yeah. very first birth I attended. And that was probably her like 1500th birth, yeah. you know? <laughs> and, um, and so growing into that of like trusting that in my own ability to hold space, to invite someone in who was still, you know, like you had attended a fair number of births by the time we started working together, but you also really felt like you were still very much a student. Yeah. Right. And so, I'm and so watching that grow for that. Because I remember you, you know, when I first started um, being Lori's student and you were always around and I don't know if I was asking to attend births with you or what, but you would say like, oh, I'm not ready for a student right now. And I don't think I knew where that was coming from. And I've only figured that out, you know, years later um, of like why you'd yeah, where you were coming from. But I remember you saying that and, and I'm grateful that you gave me the opportunity to, you know, like, hey, I, I can bring something to the table, you know, <laughs> but but yeah, I am still a student. Um, I'm not as green as I was before, but I'm still kind of green. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I mean, you, you hadn't maybe even attended 40 births by the time you and I had done our first birth or so together. So it was sort of an organic flow you weren't it wasn't your first birth but you it was you know you had seen some births um yeah, you'd right. seen no, some. I was like into it but again right like 40 births is just 15 births shy of the 55 norm requirement but at 30 40 birth like I, I'm still just trying to make sense of things so right yeah like I can help you with some basic things but still like even understanding labor patterns and what to do yeah still super green at 40 birth yeah sure. and and a different perspective because I think that you know I you worked under the women that I trained under and then my practice became its own which is a different way of practicing mm -hmm. you know um very clinical training, even though I would say that, um, you know, our, our mentors are also very trusting of birth. It's not like, you know, nurse midwifery or, you know, distrust, but still like, um, but learning the different ways, like once I had, was able to spread my own wings to really like, what are the different ways you can listen or tune in without, you know, I mean, it's good to have the clinical stuff. It's good to have all those things, but like, how else, how did women tap in before they had these tools and these abilities and, and then learning more and more and more about like growing the relationship with the woman 
as opposed to being so reliant on the tools, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And like getting to know the woman and what she desires and how she tunes into her body and also raising her up to like trust those things herself, right? Because those are some of the things that get restored through this process. Things that we have for generations been told to give away or trust someone else or you know yeah maybe but like my education trumps your intuition or whatnot you know so like really sort of leaning more and more into that and so yeah so you and I attended a lot of births together this year um and it was so lovely I mean again we had a beautiful breech birth Um, that was my first breech birth ever and I, I mean, remember when I, they yeah, found mostly. our mentor, our mentors found out that like, that's, I was attending it. Who are you bringing? And I was like, well, I'm bringing my assistant. <laughs> like, really? That's all? Yeah. You're good with just that? That's you, enough? You don't, you don't want, <laughs> no, we're good. We're good. It's, I, you know, um, so yeah. that was, yeah, that was your first breach. And it was really, it was very lovely. That woman is so lovely. And her mother, I mean, her mother is a four-time over, five-time over PhD, like doctor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And was like, oh no, girl, you stay home. Yeah. <laughs> and she said she would be interested in being on our podcast. So I hope we make that happen. Yeah, they're they're going to be on their own adventure here soon. They're leaving the country as well at the end of the month. Yeah. But for for good or for good temporary good, but for <laughs> good, for good for now. <laughs> good for now. That's the plan is to get out of here. Yeah, fair enough. Raise and raise their son in a in a different place. So, yeah. Um, I guess yeah. So that reminds me of something I wanted to say from like when you started sharing about the rough start of January and we've talked about this before but really the past two years have just been I mean what I keep hearing in the collective of midwives around the world is just like births just got a little harder a little rougher there's this extra layer from the global pandemic madness of you know the extra stress the extra fear even when someone isn't following the mainstream narrative necessarily and Uh, it's still part of our reality and it can still be stressful and it's like okay stay at home okay stay at home all day great but then you're pregnant and you've been on the couch for nine months or whatever it is you know there's a lot of that or just the fear and anxiety like weird divisions with family members and how many women we served this past year who would maybe never have chosen home birth otherwise but because of what was happening in hospitals partners not being allowed to come in doulas not being allowed to come in and how many of those people were like wow like I didn't even you know you think I always thought home birth was like woo woo or like you know, only hippies did that, like people who like are super tuned into nature and not that those people don't exist too, but like really getting those opportunities to like find some peace amongst the storm of what is going on in this world Mm -hmm. and, and respecting and honoring these babies that want to enter despite it all. Yeah, yeah you know these lights they're coming in pure and and 
with love. They don't, they're not coming in with all the garbage, you know? No. Yeah. So that's, that's really true. And, and back, you know, so we kind of did like a, you know, this summer, everything sort of cruised. We had these beautiful births. We met these wonderful people. Some knew what they wanted. Some found us by accident because of (laughs) circumstances that they were faced with that they didn't have to face. And having really, really wonderful and despite all of whatever the legislation says, like safe, happy, healthy home births, you know, like minimal intervention. I mean, like I said, even thinking about the handful of transfers that did have to happen that maybe that that were necessary or were chosen by the part the woman, you know. Mm-hmm. Um but no crazy emergencies or scary brushes with death or, you know, like just really, um, and this is with unlicensed midwives, you know, that like we're having healthy, beautiful, safe outcomes. And during the whole thing, I was invited to go back to um, French Polynesia to help women there because there um, they're all government regulated midwives trained in France and then brought back to Tahiti. Um, So many of them are not Tahitian women who are practicing midwives. Um, And there it's very frowned upon to deliver anywhere other than in the hospital on Tahiti, but there's many tiny neighbor islands and Um, though they may have a hospital, they won't have a maternity ward. So very few um, babies are born on the neighbor islands. And the midwives there um, within the past 10 years have essentially um, left home practices because of regulation. And so women don't birth at home there. And if they do, it's they're alone or with their doulas or their partners or so it's free birth or it's highly medicalized um large intervention I mean almost every story was like a essentially a coerced or forced epidural with a forceps or vacuum delivery um I want to highlight something you just said real quick because that's what happens when you overregulate and you try to just monopolize the maternity care and you only offer this version that the mainstream thinks is the best, you're going to create a polar opposite where people only, then they'll turn to free birth as the seemingly only option. Even if that's not what they genuinely want, it's just because they want so badly to not be in that super medicalized version that they think that's the only other thing they can do. It's these polar extremes. So here we are in Hawaii trying to honor that in-between gray area of options for individuals and preserve that. So it doesn't have to be such a stark black and white, this or that extreme polar. So I just want to highlight that because that's the reality that they're living in Tahiti that you're sharing. Yeah, and that they they had to fly someone in from overseas who was willing and wasn't afraid to support them, you know? And 
that is, um, so I was invited back and that was really beautiful. And that also really gave an opportunity, however, for you to step into your role as an independent midwife. Um, and I was honored to share some of my repeat mamas, which was really great too, because I knew that they were going to be in very good hands with you. And I thought, I trust you like explicitly, you know, and, um, and that was really great, but yeah, so I finished out my year in um, in French Polynesia and I helped to, I helped a woman right before I left to free birth, mm -hmm. um, which was really great. And I was just like the touch point in. So if, you know, they had questions or concerns that came up and that was really beautiful and life-changing for her and her partner who had had four other children, um, prior and three of the four were C-sections mm -hmm. and, um, and his, he said, my life has changed. Like, here's this man who was like head to toe Polynesian tattoo, like kind of looks like this sort of like hard guy, um, very, very well-known award-winning tattoo artist, and was like, I want to help women. I want to, I want people to know just how incredible and special this gift is that they have to offer and that they can. And she, she was up against many challenges. And I think that at some point I'll try to have her tell her story on our podcast too, because she really wants to share and inspire mm -hmm. other women that, you know, even in a place, you know, I can't fly back all the time and I don't live there. Um, it was such an honor and a pleasure to be able to go and serve these other two women who you know, I think one of them would have free birthed if I couldn't come. So this is my dear friend and my repeat client who I got to go there before for. Um, but even she had this phenomenal birth in the river on her family's property. And, um, and it was funny because when she shared a little bit on Instagram, she's quite a private person, but she chose to, um, in the, her first birth and pregnancy, she kept very silent and very private but she is in the middle of making a documentary called Pacific Mother. And it is a really, stay tuned. They have an Instagram page, Pacific Mother. It's about women all over the South Pacific or all through the Pacific Islands um, and their birth stories, their choices, how they came to them. And, um, you know, when she posted this time, she even got messages from people of like, isn't that illegal here? what midwife would allow you to birth in the river? Um, <laughs> like funny questions where it's like, well, it's not really my midwife's job to allow me or not allow me. It's my midwife's job to inform me and that's support my choice. That's the whole basis of, I think that's why we started working together and it just kind of kept growing and growing because the way that you serve, you know, you shared how you started opening your own practice and how that looked different than our teachers and we all create our own flavor but my flavor is similar to your flavor in many important ways and that's like the strong main ingredient of our flavors is that like I'm not in charge and I'm not here to tell you what I would do or what, like I might tell you what I think is best based on experience and insights, but it's ultimately in your hands to figure out what is actually best for you as the woman actually birthing your own baby. I'm not birthing the baby, it's you, right? Um, and that's what I think people have a hard time understanding, right? Like just that comment, 
how would they let you do that? No, you don't understand. It's, it's like, <laughs> I'm an individual adult, grown ass woman. I can do what I want. I make my decisions. <laughs> women make their own decisions. Humans make their own decisions. We're not in charge of each other. Uh, yeah, so we're breaking down that hierarchy. And actually when I made a post last night about like, what should we talk about? Our beloved friend, Alex Kasitu. So, yeah, um, she's like amazing, intuitive. By the way, she, she well, also check her out on Instagram. Infinite mm-hmm. expansions. She's amazing, and she's like talk about medical hierarchy, and it's like here it is. This is what it's about. Like that doesn't serve women, and they're ah. So and she just yeah. finished her PhD that she started here in Hawaii um, about alternative birth practices and choices in the state of Hawaii and why people choose them. And I remember when she interviewed me to be her midwife, she interviewed everyone. And then she was like, I know you are like kind of fresher. Like you don't haven't done 1500 births. You, you know, I had attended several hundred births at that point, but still, you know, she was like, but there's something about like, she was like, I just trust you because I feel like you are, you give me a lot of information. Like, and that is really the basis is like, it isn't for me to decide, like if, if you want to birth in the river, okay, well, what are the risks? Um, you know, how is the, how clean is the water? How, you know, like what's, yeah. what's the best way to, you know, like, and, and what risk are you willing to like put? Cause life is risky. No matter what you birth, I mean, yeah, there's no way out of risk in life. There's no way. So as we've talked about many times on the podcast, so (laughs) to really, you know, like, what is the, your likelihood VBACs, right? What is your likelihood to have a uterine rupture versus having a successful vaginal birth after cesarean? Mm. Part of that is a mindset. And when you can love a woman, then she and unconditionally, then she has that ability to reach deep inside and face her fears and mm-hmm. look into what she trusts instead of, and that's something that I think you and I both talk about with women of like, is that your fear or is that the fear, right? Is that something that people are putting on you and to not shy away from that, but to look at it, look deep, like, what are you actually afraid of let's diffuse that let's see let's um let's look at that and one of the the second woman that I attended even in um Polynesia she was like well you know she didn't have a great hospital experience the first time and kind of got um her birth sort of sabotaged and um and she was like well I don't really I'm not like you know other women, like I don't, I, I, I'm not tuned. I, you know, I, I really trust. I don't, I don't really trust. And I thought in my head that, well, that's because you, no one ever, you know, like honored you in that space. And so we talked about that of like, it's okay if you want to go get your check-ins at the doctors. It doesn't mean you don't know. If anything, maybe it validates what you already know, and you like that. It builds your confidence to be like, I already knew we were. Yeah. And so just a different way of looking at things, like sometimes having things explained to you through a different lens 
and having someone that that does believe in your capacity to be tuned in to birth your baby I always come back to this I don't know where I got this from a long time ago but it's like imagine if a coach well, for an athlete was like, man, I don't know. I don't think you can do this. You're kind of short. Your legs are short. The other athletes are taller. Those hurdles are tall. You're not that fast. Like you're really not the best around. Like that's a, that's the worst coach ever. Right. And sometimes that's how some women leave certain providers thinking like, man, they really don't believe in me, right? They think I'm going to fail. They think I don't have it in me. Oh, you're going to plan a natural birth. Oh yeah. We'll see about that. Right. How many times have we heard that kind of attitudes? Like, oh, you're kind of dumb for planning a natural birth. Like you don't know what you're in for. You're not right. Like just not believing in their capacity to do so. So that makes a huge difference when your provider can back you up and hold you and be like, you can you can be in tune with your body you might not be used to it you might be used to providers that don't believe that you're in tune and that you can't know shit about your body but I know you can right that permission to grow into it yeah that's why VBACs and things are so successful at home (laughs) versus hospital you have a 20 percent higher rate of having a successful VBAC because you just stay home yep Mm -hmm. and so and yeah so so yeah, so it's kind of been a wild, crazy, amazing year of growth and expansion and, and um, learning and tuning in and serving a different kind of population. Yeah. Um, and I do see, I, again, maybe it's just the circle I keep, maybe it's the, or the company I keep, but I see a greater and greater demand for um, and, and more and more curiosity of women really like wondering, like, what is missing? Yeah. Where can I get that? Right. Like that nourishment is important for our babies coming in and for the world that we want to see, because right now, I don't think anybody is that happy with the world that we're having, that we're living in right now. Big change. People want big change and they may want it in different ways but I see it happening. And if we can love and honor and trust women, then they can love and honor and trust their babies and they and their abilities to be mothers and show up. And if we can genuinely show up for people without all of our own baggage yeah. and just be present, then we can create a better world. And that whole saying of peace on earth begins with birth as we have said so many times on this podcast Mm -hmm. if you just think about if if women if if we were welcomed into this world in a in a warm dark room full of love and softness and you know like isn't that sound way nicer than cold hard sterile yelling scary you know and what a difference just the just the psyche piece makes I mean if we believe so much in modern medicine then why do we not look at this piece about the psychic abilities are what how how the outside world influences our internal we're looking we're learning about epigenetics we're learning about these things and we see that through science <laughs> we're proving common sense 
<laughs> and the fact that we have to use science to prove common sense, which, okay, let's do it. But like, honor the common sense, yeah. honor and understand that like how we're born and how we're treated, how our mothers are treated when we're born. And then those tender moments just before and those months after that that matters on how we operate in the rest of our existence and how we operate amongst each other absolutely absolutely that's and it. that's what i want to see for this year <laughs> right all right well I'll, I'll save some of my other reflections or such for next time so we can shift into yeah this year what is this year it's uh Ah, I don't really do resolutions or anything. So I haven't really spent a whole lot of time thinking about like, oh, what's this year going to be about, to be honest, um, any more than just showing up in the community as I know myself to be, to be true to my spirit, to my soul's calling in this world. Um, because I'm not going to lie, there's random creep or thoughts that creep in, right? And it's become less now, but throughout the year, that all that soul searching of like, well, what do I stand for? What am I about? Would it be easier if I just did this or that, or if I just comply here or compromise there? Or, or what, you know, where do I stand? What do I stand for? Where's my integrity? What can I really live with? And I realize if I compromise and got a license just because, oh, well, maybe it'll make people trust me more because I'm the young midwife or, or maybe it'll look better for this or that, or it's too scary to go against the grain or whatever. If I do that, it would be starting my practice from a place of fear and lack of integrity and honesty. And I don't want that to be the foundation of my practice because when I speak with individuals, I wanna work with individuals that are so solid in what their truth is and are, and are unwavering and aren't going to let someone else boss them around about what they should or shouldn't be doing, right? Not cave into the fear mongering. So I was like, I can't do that because I'm just going to call that in. That's not how I want to work. So standing firm in my integrity, I've said this before on the podcast um, from Martina, midwife in Australia. She said, don't dim to fit in. So standing unwaveringly in my convictions and serving women and families that live their lives in that way as well. So, so hallelujah. <laughs> yep. um, I think it's great. And we do, we have so many more things to talk about. <laughs> yeah, truly. I think this is long enough as it is. Um, I love you, Jamie. I'm so happy you're home. Um, yes, happy, happy New Thursday Year. Yeah. I'm so proud of you and I'm so honored and blessed to be um, to be your sidekick. <laughs> oh, and thank you for being willing to to be such and to just support each other and all the amazing ohanas we get to learn alongside. It's a blessing. So cheers to <laughs> many more blessings of 2022. Cheers to many more amazing, yeah, amazing, amazing opportunities. <laughs> All right. Well, carry on. We'll catch Until you next time. time, Women on Fire podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, that's how you can contact us. All righty.
Blessings. Aloha.